Good morning. A few months ago, um, when our friend uh, Bishop Kampicha was in town from Kenya, uh, we were talking with him and with my children about the internet. And specifically, we were talking about the internet of the late 1990s and how you had to access it. At least in my house. Maybe some of y'all are more advanced. But for us, we had to make sure the computer was plugged into the telephone jack, right? We had to make sure that no one else was using the phone, and heaven forbid they pick it up while we were connected to the internet. And then we had to dial in. You all remember this? Somebody's recorded the, the noise, so it lives forever in, in YouTube. But the, phone, the computer sounds like it's dialing a phone. What is it? Doot, 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 doot. And then it rings for a little bit. Maybe you get a busy signal. And then it makes some really awful noise. And then you're connected to the Internet. Now this process could take three, four, maybe five whole minutes. You didn't know if you had email yet. Because you weren't connected to the internet. You didn't know if you had a message. You didn't know the score to the football game. You were left in suspense while the computer noisily worked away in the background. And it sometimes could take what seemed like an interminable amount of time. Interminable amount of time. And for me as a teenager, it was a very long wait. Now, I say all this because I want us to picture ourselves in, in some lighthearted way, uh, to, to picture ourselves and imagine ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites in the days of John the Baptist, the Israelites here at the beginning of Mark's gospel. These were a people who knew something about waiting. They've been waiting for 400 years They've been waiting for God to speak, waiting for God to break into history, waiting for God to set things to rights, to fulfill his seemingly long-forgotten promises, waiting for God to deliver them from oppression, to restore their king, for God himself to dwell amongst his people. And while they waited, they endured they endured oppression, they endured persecution, they endured internal division, waiting, waiting, waiting. <clears throat> and then quite suddenly, we have John the Baptist. Mark's gospel, I mean, he's just like, here's John. We have more history about John and Luke. Um, but to the general Israel, Israeli population, this is the John they would have seen right there in verse 4. John appears. Who is he? Where did he come from? How did he get here? We don't know. He appears. He's an intriguing fellow. He wears a coat of camel's hair. He wears a leather belt. And he eats locusts with wild honey. But perhaps, perhaps more striking than his attire, more striking than his appetite, is his message. After me, John says, comes he who is mightier than I. One whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John is out here and he's preaching about someone who is coming 
God is breaking the silence about the one who is to come. Now, the the Jews in, in John's day, they weren't sure what that meant. They came to John. They heard his message. They got baptized. They didn't know exactly who he was. But we do. Mark gives it to us. He sets it very clearly in Old Testament prophecy. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. That's from Malachi. And from Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And so we see from that context, John is a, a messenger, a messenger sent by God to prepare the way for the Lord himself, to get God's people ready for the coming of the Messiah. And so they, they're called to make their paths straight, as they would for ancient kings who were entering a city. They would go out and prepare the roads. They would make them straight. They would level them. They would fill the valleys and level the mountains and pre- prepare the way for the king to come through. And John is saying, prepare yourself, for the king is coming. <clears throat> it's interesting, though. When you think about this waiting, this waiting people, perhaps the waiting in our lives, there's, there's a paradox, right? Because on one hand, you would think that waiting would make you ready, right? Like, I can't wait for this to get here. I'm ready for it. But on the other hand, the longer you wait, oftentimes the less ready you are. You get distracted. You get you get your gaze turns in another direction, and then the thing you've been waiting for for so long shows up, and you're not ready. Think about back to the internet illustration. You could get that computer going, and you could get up, and you could make yourself a sandwich waiting for that computer to connect. You could see that there's a football game on television, and you could sit down to watch it, and the next thing you know, you've been on the internet for an hour, but you completely forgot about it. Or another, another thought, imagine those long sleepless nights. Have you all been there, had a long sleepless night before? It's endless waiting, it seems. You're waiting for dawn, you're waiting for your alarm, you're waiting for that time when you need to get up and begin your day. And, and yes, you could get out of bed at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., but you just don't want to. You want it to be time to get up. And then what happens? You fall asleep, don't you, Right? Let's say you're getting up at 5, 4.30 maybe, 4.15, or, or you're getting up at 6, 5.30. Just right before it's time to get up, right before the alarm, you fall asleep. And then when that alarm goes off, you are the most unready person in the world to get out of bed. Or maybe you don't have an alarm, and you wake up to a start with the sun peeking in the windows, and your children clamoring on your bed, realizing they're late for school, and you're going to be late for work. Because in your waiting, you actually were not ready when the time came. And so this is the role of John the Baptist. He's a divine wake-up call. He's he's a God-sent alarm clock. It's time to get ready, John says, because the king is coming. But how? How is Israel supposed to get ready? Well, it was probably a bit of a surprise to them. God, God, John wasn't telling them to polish their swords or to gather up their armies. He wasn't preparing them for war. He wasn't preparing them, at least not for the war they were expecting. 
The coming leader wasn't going to lead them in a political and military revolution. No, the call to get ready was rooted not in war readiness, but in spiritual readiness, in repentance, in turning back to God, in preparing hearts to receive the Messiah. The one that Israel is getting ready for, the one that is greater than John, this mightier in him, the one that John's not worthy to untie his sandals, this one is coming, he demands spiritual preparation. And so in verse 4, John appears and he's baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming what? A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The Messiah is coming. Turn back to God. Turn away from your distractions. Turn away from your sins. Repent and turn back to God. Be ready for him when he comes. Because, John says, I'm baptizing you with water. But when the Messiah comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It'll be a baptism of judgment, of welcoming people into the kingdom and leaving behind those who are not ready. The Holy Spirit will baptize from the Messiah. And those who clearly see who he is, those who have not been distracted, those who have not been called unawares, unawares, will be welcomed into his kingdom. Friends, in many ways we are like Israel. We are a waiting people. But unlike Israel, we've seen the Messiah, right? We've seen the King of Kings. We're getting ready to remember his birth. We've seen him born in a stable and laid in a manger. We've seen him hanging on a cross. We've seen him risen from the dead. We've seen the Messiah. And yet we're still waiting for his return. And this can be a challenging thing, right? Because we know the Christ born in the stable. We know the Christ wrapped in swaddling clothes. We're we're comfortable with the Christ on the cross, although it's hard. We're we're willing to go there. We know this Jesus. We know him intimately. And yet it challenges us because we dwell in a world where even though we know the Messiah, evil rules the day. We dwell in a world where sin abounds in our hearts. We dwell in a world where the expectations of us as the people of God, the expectations of who we should be, seem to be forever unfulfilled. And so too often in the midst of waiting, we embrace Jesus the baby We embrace Jesus, the suffering servant. We embrace Jesus, the resurrected one. But we put off, we delay Jesus, the king. The one who's coming. The one to whom we need to repent and turn to. In other words, we'll gladly receive forgiveness of sin. But until Christ returns, we're content to take matters into our own hands. Yes, forgive us our sins, but please wait to make us your, to make To become our Lord, please wait to take charge over our lives. And we get distracted. And so we still pursue our sins. We still take things into our own hands. We still fashion our own idols. And all the while we're waiting for Christ to return. But if we wait like that, we're going to be distracted when he gets here. 
late Tom Petty had some good reflections on waiting, right? What did he say? The waiting is what? It's the hardest part. And so he's, he's remembering um, uh, uh, the love of his life, perhaps, or, or he's singing about his uh, love, and, and he, he's met this woman that, that makes him feel everything he's always wanted to feel. And yet he reflects, I chased a few around, a couple of women around, and all it ever got me was down. Yeah, there were the times that made me feel good, but never as good as I feel right now. Baby, you're the only one that's ever known how to make me want to live like I want to live now. Can we wait like that? Can we wait in the presence of Christ that makes us want to live as his children? That makes us want to live under his kingship and his lordship? Can we wait expectantly for his return so that when he comes again, we will not be caught unawares, we will not be distracted, but we will be repentant. We will have turned from our sins and await eagerly and expectantly for his kingdom. Friends, this Advent, let us heed the call of John the Baptist. Let us wait repentantly, embracing Christ's salvation and his kingship while we wait for his return.